Peter, I've spent a, some time in exploring your area, including the backwaters of uh, Fort Morgan and the bays off of Eastern Mobile Bay, and especially the out-of-the-way restaurants that are down there. Needless to say, they were fantastic, very much like the the bacon and eggs that I had for dinner a while ago that was outstanding. But but we want to learn more <laughs> about Mobile Bay, the backwaters, and the Gulf Coast of Alabama, and all the things that are offered down there in your area. And I know you're the person to tell us about that, but we're going to do a deep dive into the area throughout this podcast. But can you provide us a high level, maybe a 20,000-foot view of the different fly fishing opportunities that are in and around the Daphne area? Yeah, no problem. So when I think of, you know, the cool thing about Daphne is it's very centrally located. So within an hour's drive of my store, I can be at the top of the Delta fishing for striped bass, hybrid bass, spotted bass, largemouth bass, or I can turn around and go south and I can do, uh, I can get off the beaches right now and I can be doing uh, Bonita, uh, Bluefish, Pompano, Redfish are still running out there. And then I can move my way further up and continue as sheep's head, redfish, speckled trout, and working into those rivers, uh, we can keep most of those fish, but now we can add crappie, brim, largemouth, stripers, and all that. It's it's a very diverse ecosystem. And I tell people all the time that the fishing in the in the Mobile Bay area is always good if you're willing to not just look at it as I'm only going to catch one species of fish, because it's a seasonal fishery. And sometimes, like in the fall, you know, redfish is just where it's at because our water clears up. There's always redfish down here, and there's almost always clean water to find, but not as much, right? So we can, if we look at it as a seasonal menu at a restaurant, our favorite restaurant, well, then there in this time of year, I can go up those little creeks. I can jump in and go wading, sand bottom creeks that are just like you might wade for smallmouth. Except for instead of getting rocks in my boots, I have to worry about sand, right? Because right. we just don't have that limestone. And instead of having shoal bass like you might have in Georgia, we'd have Choctaw bass or we'd have spotted bass. We might have largemouth bass. And in some of these same areas, um, some of these same rivers, which are most often spring-fed, suddenly we've got huge striped bass that are in there. They're not a huge number of them. We're working very hard to try to recover that population of Gulf-strain striped bass. But suddenly you're you're in a river that's 30 feet wide, maybe, and you hook into a 30-inch striped bass. You know, so I call them, (laughs) yeah, it's it's crazy. I call it Alabama steelhead. Yeah. Because it's just like you think of folks, you know, going up, out west, uh, or maybe you're uh, doing those Great Lake tributaries yeah. still ahead in the smaller yeah. rivers, and yep, yeah, and suddenly it's just on. It's insane. And as the year progresses on, as temperatures change, as salinity changes, uh, it's going to offer all kinds of different opportunities for an angler. Whereas I might personally, because I'm from Central Alabama, be more interested in the freshwater aspect. If instead of driving 20 minutes to run to my favorite little creeks to go jump in or river, excuse me. If I was to drive an hour down South, I could be walking the beaches right now and having a great time fishing for Pompano or going on the backside of places like Fort Morgan and mm-hmm. wading those. You can take a kayak out there, go out to those flats, get out and wade. And it's like fishing bonefish flats. Oh, wow. It's really, really a fun experience. Now, is it always so clear that you can do that? 
Not always. So you have to look at what's being handed to you. And so that's why I say it's like a seasonal menu at a really nice restaurant, because it's not always, you know, strawberries aren't always in season. And if we're willing to look at it and realize that we've got an amazing diversity to enjoy and an amazing number of places to fish, and then suddenly it's like, this is an area that's wide open. Because in the summer, I could catch baby tarpon, but in the winter, I can catch striped bass. What place has that? I mean, it's insane. That's a good point. There's a lot of variety, fresh and saltwater and brackish, bays, beaches, rivers and creeks. You're right. There's a lot of, a lot of folks that would love to have that, including me (laughs) in their backyard. So I look forward to getting into this a little bit more and talking about some of those things. So, uh, well, let's go ahead and kick this show off from high atop the world headquarters of Southeastern fly. This is a Southeastern fly podcast. Feel free to share the podcast with your friends and your fishing partners. After this uh, episode is over, if you find value in the podcast uh, and you want to give back, just drop by the Southeastern Fly store and simply make a purchase for a hat or T-shirt. So who is our guest today on Southeastern Fly? He's the owner of The Lost Angler in Daphne, Alabama. He's a teaching guide. As you can tell, he's very enthusiastic about his uh, area of the world. Please welcome to the podcast, Peter Jordan. Peter, thanks for stopping by. No, thank you so much for having me. I can I can tell y'all must be just run out of folks to talk to up there. <laughs> no, no. Uh, this is, uh, th- so to tell you how this came up, came to be, I've vacationed down on Fort Morgan mm-hmm. quite a bit. I've uh, been very fortunate. Uh, a little bit, spent a little bit of time in Gulf Shores, but I really like the Fort Morgan uh, area because it's a little further out and I like to get a little further out. And I've had some great days fishing right off the beach, just like you're talking about. There's a lot of action out there from time to time. And I've hit it, I've hit it right a couple of times and I've missed it a couple of times too. So, you know, I just, I really like that area and I thought I'd love to know more about it just to kind of whet my appetite, if you will, and find yeah. out what am I missing? Cause one of the things that I found out, so I found this out when I was down there. Uh, and I'll tell this quick little story. So right. we were down there on Fort Morgan and I ran into a local, which I always try to find locals when we're, when we're away or on vacation or just out fishing or anything like that. And, uh, we were looking for good restaurants and we were going to do restaurants for the whole week. That was, we were going to eat lunch at the house and go out every night for like five nights in a row because we, we had been down there before and we had stumbled into a good restaurant so he said, uh, at the time, he said, well, you need to go up in one of these back bays. It's kind of close to Daphne. Cause I remember traveling through there, mm-hmm. there were shrimp boats up there in the bay and, and, uh, the backwaters, I guess. And just, we ended up just sampling, um, just all kinds of fantastic foods the whole week. But so we went up to the, up to there, we went into several there there at the time and i don't know if they're still there i couldn't i couldn't drive to them now but we kept just finding these great restaurants just you know and I, i'd asked him hey where's this one and then he told me and then he told me another one and then when we got to the other one the second one i asked somebody else you know where's there another restaurant similar to this one and they'd point us somewhere mm-hmm. else we ended up at lulu's uh which was at the time it was on weeks bay it wasn't down the, yeah, yeah i've never been to the anymore. Yeah, I've never been to the new Lulu's, but I, I went on the, to the one on Weeks Bay, and I really 
that was awesome an awesome experience awesome food uh just just really good and uh so i've i've long way around the barn say i really enjoyed the area but i always felt like i was leaving some of the fishing on the table now i've been on the piers on mobile bay uh, and play with the raccoons, believe it or not, that lived under the piers down there. Right, There's a lot right, of wildlife right. down there. So really looking forward to getting into this. Yeah. So kind of the, the thing I was kind of go, going back to the food real quick. This is one thing that's really neat is we have just such a, a neat culinary area down here. Uh-huh. So just keep on exploring. And the further west you go, the more it's going to be reminiscent of that New Orleans Cajun. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. There's not a wrong place to eat down here, if I'm honest. Some right. are better than others. Some are getting a little bit more traffic, but there's some beautiful places. So just keep keep going, keep going. But <laughs> to get to the fishing side of it, uh, there's not a tremendous number of places that are very accessible for a wading angler down here. And the reason is our topography doesn't really lend itself well to. Uh, and I realized I, I spoke earlier about wading some of the creeks down here. Uh-huh. But for most folks that are coming down here in vacation and they don't want to jump in and go chase red eye, not excuse me, not red eyes, sugar. They don't want to jump jump in and go chase, um, uh, you know, Choctaw bass and and, yeah. and largemouth and whatnot because that's 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 not something they they can probably do that at home, right? So, but when you're down here and you're trying to access redfish, which is always the biggest thing, so many people are so excited about yeah. or yeah. speckled trout or whatever, that can be a really hard fish to access. Um, so for people that are coming down here on vacation, I kind of recommend. You know, shore fishing, as far as on the beaches, can be hit and miss. Like you said, it can be amazing action or it can be really slow. So what I recommend is if you've got a paddleboard, if you've got a skiff, if you've got a kayak, bring it with you. When you can get into the water and move around, it's going to change a a tremendous amount of what you can do. It's a very productive fishery, so it does lend itself well to uh, a new angler coming into it, right? Yeah, and there's going to be times and places where you can, let's say you're on that paddleboard or that kayak, I can stand up and I can sight fish every bit of everything I'm going to do. But there's enough fish density that you could definitely blind cast if you needed to. And redfish, luckily, nobody, so nobody's told redfish this, but they're a lot like a largemouth, right? In that they like points, they like creek mouths, they like yeah. the, the same nine yards. And a lot of people that come in here to the shop, they say. Well, what flies do I need? Well, first thing I say is, well, open up your box. Let's see what you brung. Well, I only have bass stuff. And I said, well, man, they ain't read the first issue of Fly Rod and Reel. They don't know the All difference. Right. Yeah. Right. And the great thing is big fish eat little fish. And like a fly I showed you earlier, that little uh, crab pattern, it would work beautifully uh, for a smallmouth. Yeah. He wouldn't have a first clue. He wasn't a crawfish. Yeah. Right. Um. So a lot of you're going to have a lot of overlap in that. And I guess what we can do is kind of starting around Fort Morgan, talking about that. That's a very popular area for people to go to. Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time in uh, the Gulf Shores area. So if anybody comes down here, uh, I would highly recommend stopping at Sam's Bait and Tackle. There's a bunch of folks that are super knowledgeable there. Uh, kind of Chris Vecce, super nice guy, extremely giving of his knowledge. Hollered him. Chris is super knowledgeable. Now, when we come to m- my side of the universe, and Chris and I have made the joke numerous times that during the tourist season, um mobile bay and uh gulf shores orange beach one may as well be on mars just from the other one because it's so many people so much traffic so much going on that's really hard to kind of cross back and forth right but when we get into my neck of the woods which is that more the mobile bay mississippi sound area 
it changes a lot. Um, so like I said, for that area, that Perdido Bay, that Wolf Bay, definitely hit up those spots. That's a very different fishery from mine, and they're very knowledgeable folks. So do want to give credit where credit's due. But going to Fort Morgan. So if we're fishing that beach area, and do you want we can start on the beach if you want to in the early spring, and then we can work our way up. Or yeah, what do you want to do? Yeah, okay, that, that cool. sounds good. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of folks coming down right now, getting ready to go to spring break. So right now, one of the great things you can do is you can be between Little Lagoon and guys, by all means, whip out your Google and go to Google Maps, and you'll see Little Lagoon. It's on the peninsula down there that Fort Morgan's on. Yeah. And basically from the area that I spend the most time on is the inlet at Little Lagoon down towards the tip of Fort Morgan. I'm going to, you ought to excuse me. I'm, I'm doing hand gestures in this. But anyway, <laughs> yonder. Yeah, over yonder. <laughs> yonder. So anyway, if what I like to tell people to do is start out right there at the Fort Morgan Fishing Beach. Go down and then work your way west. Get out there before dawn if you can. Give yourself the best possible chances. Uh, for fly tackle, I often recommend a seven through nine weight is really good. Floating or intermediate lines. Uh, I prefer intermediates for fishing the beach. I prefer floating for fishing, you know, redfish and specks and things like that. And I'll talk about why later. Yeah. Biggest reason is in the surf. I want that line that's going to get down. You know, I don't have to get down super far because most of that beach is really, really shallow. So I think the deepest line you might want to be might be a sink three okay, or an intermediate. Both those are great. And what I try to urge people to do is don't think of the beach so much as a crashing wave coming in. And definitely it is, but there's going to be, if it's really nasty and turned up like that, there's not going to be a whole lot of action there simply because those fish don't like getting beat up. Right. You know? So they're going to push off a little bit, but on those days where it's nice, you've got decent wave action. It's not too much. The way we're situated on the Gulf is when we have an ingoing tide or an outgoing tide, in between those shoals and the beach, think of it like a river instead, okay? It's either going to be flowing from left to right or right to left, one or the other. And one of the best things you can do is when you're starting out early in the morning, I like to tell people to work your way down in the water column. So start out in the morning, you might throw a gurgler or a popper, get that bluefish bite, get that later in the summer, you get Spanish mackerel and uh, ladyfish and uh, tons of other wonderful fish. There's no telling what you're going to catch on the beach, and that's always one of the most fun parts. Oh yeah, and you're gonna, it's it's wonderful, and you're gonna, and the intermediate line lets you fish a lot of those foam flies. It's not getting down fast enough because you're working it quickly. You don't want to go slowly in this situation because you're thinking fleeing bait fish. Mm-hmm. And what you want to also be looking for constantly is looking for schools to start busting. You know, you're gonna start to see them come up. It's gonna look like somebody took a handful of firecrackers and threw it in the water. Somebody's like, well, how do I know if there's a school of fish there? You'll know. I it's promise. It's obvious. You, it is you'll obvious. You pick up out on there. it quick. I promise. Yes, you will. And do yourself a favor. You don't have to use wire, but I do like at least thirty pound fluorocarbon as kind of a bite tippet. Otherwise, you're going to lose a lot of flies really quickly, which is great for me. So stop by the shop. I'll get you more. But <laughs> that being said, we want to keep you on the water more, and I want to keep you in the store. But what I'll tell people to do is if you're not seeing anything, you're blind casting, cast 90 degrees out and then swing your fly down and then continue to make a 15 degree arc every time. And then as the day starts, the sun gets to get higher, work your way down. Next, go to a subsurface fly, then eventually start bouncing the bottom. And as that works on, you're going to be surprised at the tremendous number of fish you catch. 
And while you're working your way up and down the beach, I think if, I don't like to really work my way upstream like you're in a river. Instead, think like you're swinging a fly down a river for a streamer. Work your way down. And when you see a cut, that's when you see, that's when the waves aren't breaking on that shoal. Don't get too excited about it. Think of it more of a mouth of a feeder creek because that's what it is. It's bringing new water into there. And just like okay. a mouth of a feeder creek can be very productive, that's the same thing here on the beach. So this is a way for guys that aren't used to fishing the surf to kind of break down that area and go, you know what, this is something that's not not so hard for me to do. And I will say this, there's uh, definitely something, there's two things I recommend. There's a good set of hemostats that are got, you know, some long, long neck on it because everything down here has teeth. Yep. Except for the redfish. And uh, so everything down here has teeth. Hemostats are a must. And the other thing I recommend is a stripping basket. If you're going to walk that beach, grab a stripping basket. Um, get one that you can position down low so you can have a comfortable strip uh, to lay your fly line in. Otherwise, it's going to get washed around your feet. But that's a wonderful way to start your vacation down here. Days when you have low light situations, the fishing is going to stay stronger longer. And on days when it's just a high sun, uh, maybe don't worry about it so much. The next thing you want to try to do is you want to be when the tide is moving. You're going to get the top of a tide or the bottom of a tide. That's a great time to go at lunch. So like I think this week coming, I believe uh, high tide is going to be between two and three o'clock in the afternoon. So when you hit that hump, go eat lunch, yeah. go hang out. And then once that sun starts to set, that tide's going again. Oh man, somebody's rang the dinner bell. It's all going on all over again. Now, if we go to the opposite side of the bay and we go to Dolphin Island, we'll have probably better redfish, better croakers, better whiting. We won't have so much in the way of pompano, but we can still have better trout earlier. And it's the difference of the area that feeds into it. Uh, Dolphin Island is going to have more of an influence of that Mobile Bay estuary than Fort Morgan does. So it's a different way to do it. I still recommend fishing it the same way, however. And uh, then kind of going from that, let's just stick with Fort Morgan real quick. And this, this especially for Fort Morgan, if you're on the Mobile Bay side, there's a ton of days that all those areas, all those flats out there are beautifully gin clear. But you have to remember that Mobile Bay is a north-south bay, okay? So the day that you want to fish uh, Fort Morgan is when you have that wind coming from the south, right? Because otherwise, if it's coming from the north, all that wind that's been coming across Mobile Bay is going to stack up on that peninsula down there. So on the day when it's really too rough for you to want to mess with the beach, Go the other side. Go take a weight on it. Problem is, again, there's so many deep areas. You might have a really nice flat and then get to an area where it's 8, 10 feet deep. Now, don't <laughs> recommend swimming out there if I could help it. <laughs> Go for it if you're feeling froggy. It's yeah. not my first thing to do. I'll pass on that. Exactly. I don't mind waiting it, but I don't <laughs> want to swim it if you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so that's when having that kayak is really nice because you can get out there, sight fish, and wade. But when we're Wade fishing, we'll spend a lot more time blind casting uh, because we're working the water much more slowly. So we might work that drop where you can't see stuff, but always kind of have your eyes peeled to see those redfish come up on the flats. Right. Uh, a lot of those, there's a lot of old tree stumps that are out there left by the hurricanes year after year. And this time of year, a lot of them are going to have sheep's head stacked up on them. And uh, don't for one second think that sheep's head are an easy fish to catch on the fly. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. They have a nickname. No. They're called the Cajun Permit, and there, there's a reason for that. Yeah, exactly. Right? But they are tremendous fun, and they're amazing table fare. They really are. Huh. They call it the poor man's lobster. 
<laughs> um, so I want to back up just a minute and tell just mm-hmm. one of the things that I found. So just just to walk you through mm-hmm. a day, just one day uh, on Fort Morgan. Mm-hmm. So we went to the beach early, came back, uh, grabbed a snack. When I grabbed a snack, still early morning, I could see the gulls and the birds mm-hmm. and everything out. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. They were a long way out, but I could see something busting. So we went back to the beach, came in for lunch, made me a true shrimp po po bo po poor boy po boy po boy just po poor boy yeah <laughs> made me a, a true shrimp po boy that was uh, white bread a piece of cheese, shrimp, and uh, a little bit of sauce. Not much. That was an impoverished boy. Yes, that was impoverished. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I sat down at the windows at this beach house, and I was just sitting there watching these birds work. And I could see this school getting closer and closer, Mm -hmm. but it's still a long, I couldn't tell what it was. But I, I could tell it was pretty big just from the birds. So went back out to the beach, fiddled around down there. We went to dinner <laughs> early because right. you know, it's easy to go early on the beach. Came back. It was getting a little little later in the afternoon, really, maybe 6 o'clock. Right. And I could see this big school of fish moving in. I had watched this school of fish all day long go from way out to where I could barely see them all the way to within reach. And, man, it was so much fun. Just casting out there, just fish after fish after fish after fish, and it, there were some some trout in there, but also there were some ladyfish in there, which I'm I'm cool with ladyfish. Don't get me wrong, but that's a poor man's tarpon, dude. Yeah, it was kind of a, it felt like an odd combination, but probably for about an hour and a half, we just chased them up the beach. Me and my uncle chased oh, them yeah. up the beach. Oh, it was so much fun, but it was cool just to watch that that school come in from way out into where we could reach them. But my point in that is, is it was that, that water out in that, that part of the Gulf can get so flat and stay relatively flat for a whole day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes even into the next day. Right. They really will. Yeah. And you could see, you know, you could see dolphin out there doing their thing and, you know, that big school of fish, all the birds, you know, all that stuff's going on in, in the background. You can see the oil rigs and that sort of thing. So it's really kind of a, it's kind of a strange, but cool combination of all kinds of things down there. And I really, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and that was one of the better days, which are obviously the days we want to speak about. We don't want to speak about the ones where I went out there all day long and didn't see diddly squat, you know, <laughs> yeah. so no, that can happen, and you, I love how you you brought it flat that it can stay it can stay so flat. <clears throat> There's a lot of times that we'll take the bay boat out out there, especially in the uh, spring and summer. And uh, like this time of year, uh, we had a few days that were just super flat. We can make it out to the Barrier Islands, or we could run on out to the uh, just run out into the into the Gulf. And I personally love running mm-hmm. into the Gulf yeah. because one of my most favorite things to do this time of year is we have false albacore we call them bonita but they're false albacore right and i absolutely adore these fish it's a run and gun situation we're taking super small flies they're just little tiny ep minnows little gummy minnows or whatever Uh and you're throwing them out there into this school of fish that's just frothing up kind of like you saw they'll stay in that same sort of area all day long don't run over them, you know, kind of keep a respectful distance. I like to say, right. And like, I don't even bother drop a trolling motor, man. I literally just stay on the Yamaha all day. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to drop that fly out there. We're going to let it sink down. So I like throwing a sinking line for this, like mm-hmm. sink six or whatever. Right. Drop it down there because I don't want to false cast. I just need to go by God. And then I tell folks, dude, count to 10. Count yeah. to 10. Don't yeah. do anything. Just count to 10. Throw that rod underneath your arm and just hand over hand, strip it in. Yeah. And people go, well, how do I set the hook? I go, you don't have to. <laughs> don't worry about it. Ain't no, yeah. Don't do that. Happen. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest problem I see with people that are fishing uh, surf zones or they're fishing in the near shore area is they try to do a lot of strips, a lot of hand strips. That's really not what we want to do because these fish are constantly on the move. They're moving really fast. They're always in a fleeing kind of situation. Um, if you get used to throwing that rod out, putting it underneath your arm and doing a hand over hand retrieve, it doesn't have to be a super fast one, but it's constant, more constant retrieve because these fish aren't so much at reacting to current structure in a river or, and they don't have the ability to just chill out like the main lake or a pond. Instead, these fish are in a constant predatory environment where they're getting chased by things that are moving at Mach 2. Right. Um, so having that ability to hand over hand strip. But when we have these uh, Bonita, they'll come up in here and they're going to bust it. And I tell folks all the time, well, don't, don't, don't worry about it. We ain't going anywhere. You're going to be on that rod for about five, 10 minutes until you get used to it. And they'll dump a spool of line. Oh, and it's, I, <laughs> a seven weight need not apply. Eight can be a little bit light. A nine is a great 10. It isn't, isn't a bad choice. I prefer going back to it. I probably use eight weight for 95% of everything I do. But eight weights nowadays have gotten so fast. Most of the lines you throw are nine weights anyway. So what yeah. you know, you and I started fly fishing with, uh, you know, a seven weight back, you know, today is an is an eight weight of back then, and an yeah, eight weight right. today is a nine weight. You get what I'm saying? Yep. But so what? That's going to be a great rod for that. Uh, a lot of times we say, you know, if we're just fishing for, uh, you know, schoolie redfish and uh, speckled trout, a reel isn't super important kind of like fishing for bass and trout um it's not super important it's nice to have a decent drag but when we go off that beach and we start fishing for those bonita or schoolie kings in the summer or getting a jacks in the late summer then yeah we need a serious drag because it will absolutely blow one up these are fish that are also going to go straight down and one of the reasons we see these false albacore so much through here is because the mobile the port of mobile is right there so that ship channel is out there so we're going to go from dixie bar and again, you guys can Google this. That's at the tip of Fort Morgan. That's that sandbar that goes out across there where it's only four or five feet deep. And we're going to go literally less than 100 feet. And it's 50 feet deep because of the shipping channel. And it's just a drop, right? Is that dredged? Man, is it that is chip- dredged. Yeah. Okay. It yeah. is, it is gotcha. dredged. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have just tremendous uh, numbers of schools of fish. And uh, they're out there. And you can spend the entire day fishing these fish now eventually the sun's going to get up too high or the worst thing yet is the tide quits moving when that happens uh crank up and go fish underneath all those rigs you saw there that's still a ton of fun for your fly rodding man you can catch blue fish out there that are seriously huge and they put up a great fight on an eight weight i love throwing gurglers at them throwing a top water watching them explode on it oh, nice. rigs. that's uh-huh. a stupid amount of fun uh in the early spring we can chum up snapper and catch them on the fly rod too that's a lot of fun. I like throwing a chum slick out there and I don't want to do too much, you know, too much bloodiness, but I want to have just kind of that mesh of fish. Right. And I want to just kind of drift that boat past the rig and you'll be shocked what comes up behind there. 
Um, as the summer comes on, as we start to get closer to summer, there's going to be tons of, uh, we're going to have good numbers of cobia stacked up uh, underneath the freighters that are waiting to go into the port of Mobile. So, you know, this Mobile Bay area is just a, is just a tremendous fishery. And we, we haven't even made it in the bay yet. You know, and that's what's so cool about it. But, you know, I could spend uh, definitely an entire podcast doing nothing but the nearshore fishing. It's one of my favorite things. Let's, and, you know, going into how to talk about how to read your sonar, how to look at it, how to figure out how to fish these sinking lines to effectively fish these fish. Let's talk about the jacks just a minute. So jacks are one of my favorite animals in the world. I realize <laughs> they're they're nasty and yeah. and, <laughs> and they're terrible. But they have all of my favorite features of a fish. They're big, they're mean, and they're stupid, right? Oh, so all, all my favorite things. And I, I say all the time, if jacks jump, we wouldn't fish for nothing else, <laughs> right? And it just amazes me. We have such amazing fisheries to go enjoy that. Down here, people go all over the world. They go to the, the Seychelles to go fish for GTs. And I'm like, Lord, I got these right here. They're just yellow, right? Talking about Jack Crevel. Right, and it's right. so fun. We get into that summer. We really need to get that that heat in. We're not going to see them this time of year. Uh, they're kind of gypsies of the Gulf, the Gulf Stream. They're going to come and go as they please. Uh, but when we get in the summer, one of the sayings I used to love from the old timers is, "As soon as you see the school buses come out, that's when the jacks are going to be there." And we're going to find these a lot of times in the mouth of places like uh, all the different little rivers and bays. And then on the back sides of places like Fort Morgan, not in the flats, sometimes on the flats, sometimes you can sight fish them. Uh, we'll find them on the back side of uh, Dolphin Island. Uh, and then if you go into the Mississippi area, you can find them on the back sides of those uh, barrier islands out there. These fish are extremely aggressive. And a lot of times we can sight fish them. Uh, they're going to be busting stuff. They're going to be doing their thing. I really like fishing with them, uh, fishing for them with really big poppers. Because, you know, if you're out there, so you can try to run and gun and throw an ordinary streamer on them, but they're hitting here, the hitting over there, hitting here, the hitting over there, but they're really curious, man. They're like a cat. You know, you throw a, a dangle ball down the hallway, you know, a cat's going to chase after you. you. can't stand it, right? Right. So instead, you know, you can put that big popper out there and just start. You, I know there's going to be jacks out here. Let's say it's around the jetties around Dolphin Island in the summer. I know there's going to be jacks out here. I'm going to throw a big howitzer popper out there and bam, bam. Start chugging. The more obnoxious, the better. And if I get two mm -hmm. couple guys, one on the back of the boat, one on the front of the boat, and everybody's just throwing these huge poppers out there, it gets them whipped up. They can't stand it. And, and so that can be a lot of fun. Another thing you can do is you kind of hang around shrimp boats. I don't always advise it, uh, some because I kind of think you ought to ask permission to be close to somebody's boat when they're trying to work like that. So right. I just tell folks if you're visiting, let the boys work. They're making a living. We're trying to have fun. So instead, we can really find them around any deep channels. We can find them in the mouth of bays, and we're, we're going to have rivers come in. And they're a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, I like to say 10 weights is about where we want to be out on that fish. Again, I'm going to stay with my intermediate line. Uh, even though a, pot, a floating line is fine, I personally prefer the intermediate because if I do have to get a little bit deeper with a big streamer, I can. But the, my biggest reason is that sinking intermediate line doesn't sink fast enough to pull the popper down, but it gives it a lot more thunk, right? And uh -huh. a lot makes it more obnoxious. So that's what that's my that's my thought on jacks. They're they're a lot of fun. They're seasonal. They're they can wear you out. Uh, they're an absolute blast to do in a kayak. 
So if you want to get out there and try that on a fly rod with a kayak, I highly advise it. Just you will not be when you get done with that fight, you won't be anywhere close to where you started at. So <laughs> take a buddy, take a buddy. Yeah. But uh, it's a stupid amount of fun. They're great fish. They're great fish. And like I said, I don't understand why so many people are. I can understand why people would want to go to the Seychelles, but we have a, a wonderful fish down here that's just as tough as a GT. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, there's so much good opportunity down there. It's not even funny anymore. There's such an extreme amount of power when you hook a jack, too. Like, a lot of people don't understand that. I tell people when that jack hits and he takes off, you may as well hook the car going down the highway. And he's just going to start to burn up a drag. <laughs> um, and he's and his first thing he's going to do is try to keep with that school, right? But what's crazy is that school will keep with him. So if you can, you know, get that jack close to the boat, a lot of times you can throw another fly on top of it and have another jack pick it up and just go running with it again because they're extremely curious. You know, I don't know what Bill's doing, but Bill's doing something awful funny. Right. Right. right? Let me get in on this. I'm going to get on this. (laughs) And uh, so they're going to stay with it. Uh, Kind of when you see the uh, jacks, that's generally getting into August. Right after that, we're going to get into Labor Day. I like to say get into September. September, to my mind, through through December is what is, to me, probably the best time to fish for redfish down here. And it's because we don't get as much fresh water from up north and our conditions stabilize. And you talked about having so many calm days during the summer. And 100%, you can go out during the summer, the same place we were catching Bonita. We can catch big Spanish mackerel. We can catch schoolie kings. We can do all that same stuff. But as those conditions simmer down, we get less fresh water in. That water around Fort Morgan, around Mississippi Sound, around Dolphin Island can get unbelievably clear. And in different parts of the Bay, too. It can get unbelievably clear. And uh, it, it, it provides an opportunity for folks that want to go after redfish to really do something really special. What I like about it is for me personally, I am going to have the ability to sight fish and see every single redfish I'm going to cast to during that time of year. And kind of how we talked about having that seasonality. I'm so spoiled with it that, that during the rest of the year, when it's time to, to, you know, thinking about redfish, it's like, Oh yeah, they're out there. You know, <laughs> so we can, we can run out there and go do it, but there's a whole lot of other critters to go enjoy right now. Right. And, and that's the thing I think, because it's such a varied fishery, you don't ever get well out behind just one kind of fish. Right. But, uh, going into the redfish, our redfish are the redfish that we're going to see on Fort Morgan are very different from the ones we're going to see in the Mississippi sound and are different from the ones we'll see on the causeway. What I like to remind people of is when people are kind of trying to get a feel for, you know, what's our fishery like, I like to kind of say, if you can imagine that Charleston and Louisiana had a baby, that'd be about it. Our fish don't tail, but we're going to, it's going to be, let's say we're fishing Mississippi Sound. It can be a lot more intimate creek areas like you might see in Charleston. And our fish are going to be a little bit more in numbers, more in the schools. Uh, like you'll see in Louisiana. Differences, our fish are a little bit more educated, I'd say, than Louisiana fish. And there's something special about going to Louisiana. Not going to take anything away from it. 
but it's um, our fish are a little bit more educated. We have a smaller coastline and gets a whole lot more pressure. I like to tell folks if we go to Fort Morgan, you know, we can find clear water out there. But if we go the weekend after Labor Day, you know, if you were to throw a, a plug out there, he could tell you the name, rank, and serial number of that of that lure and tell you if you paid too much for it. <laughs> because they've seen so many lures by that point. But once we get away from that and we kind of start to slow down, it's when people are kind of getting kids back in school and doing all that. Suddenly, man, it gets really exciting down here because the fishery has a chance to kind of have less pressure. Yeah, but it starts to heat up, right? It cools off, but it heats up at the same time. And so our fish are going to be, during that time of year, they're going to start, those redfish are going to start to get into the larger redfish. So we'll take Fort Morgan, for example. Uh, we'll kind of move around the horn. Uh, in Fort Morgan, you know, we're going to see good numbers of redfish, but they're going to be a really good size. One of the things I like about fishing Fort Morgan is that that area is a sandy bottom, right? It's a little bit easier to see those fish, now, right? Are you are you talking on the bay side or the yeah i'm on the bay side, side. yeah yeah, yeah. so when okay. i say okay right so right so when i say so i guess from, we're talking redfish if i'm talking about redfish we're on the bay side yeah okay, okay. Got and you. so there's a lot of fingers that come out and there's a ton of flats you can go on google or check it out and these areas are really super nice but these fish are very wary you can make a lot of good moves and make one bad move and screw it up completely so that's one of the reasons I started waiting for them, getting out of the boat, having less movement, less uh, stuff going on. It's great if you're in a skiff because you can really do a great job in sight fishing. Right. But the downside with that is you're up there and these fish have that death from above factor. I like to say that these redfish, even though they might be 30 inches plus, they all think they're a rat red and Osprey's going to scoop them up here in a minute. <laughs> so they're a little bit more wary of that. But they're going to be a larger size. But they also don't generally tend to stay. And I think it's because the amount of pressure they get. They don't tend to stay in a larger school, right? Whereas if we go across the bay, yeah, and we go to the Mississippi Sound side, we're still staying. Everything we're discussing is Alabama water. So if I say okay. Mississippi Sound, this Mississippi Sound will go from basically the edge of Mobile Bay almost basically to Louisiana right through there. Okay. It's that sound between all the barrier islands. Okay. Right. So I'm still discussing Alabama waters. When we're fishing the Mississippi Sound, uh, those fish in that area will be, in general, a little bit smaller, but they're in larger groups, right? And I'm not saying these are bad fish. We're not talking about rat reds. They're those nice slot reds that, you know, 17 to 20-something inch fish. And I adore fishing these fish on a six-weight. Throwing smaller, lighter flies at them, they're more likely to take it. Don't get me wrong. They'll eat a big old toad. But uh -huh. I like throwing those lighter flies on them. It's easier for somebody that's not used to casting a big, heavy, wind-resistant fly. Uh, it's easier for them to get on these fish. And they're going to be – the only problem with that area is I don't have that white sand bottom. I've got that darker bottom, right? And, man, that darker bottom, when you've got a fish the color of copper, it is rough. So I tell folks, if you go out there, the fish are easy to see on Fort Morgan. They're a little bit bigger, but there's less of them, and they're much spookier. We go to – of uh, you know the mississippi sound area there's more of them they're a little bit smaller but you have a lot more shots but they're going to be harder to see because they blend in so well with that natural environment down there so how far do you go over from where you are how far west do you go i will go basically to that state line right there so if you're looking at google earth um and you'll see that line that goes down right there uh -huh. i generally stay in the state of alabama and all of those bayous and marshes right there are very, very productive, very good. But what's going to determine whether or not we go to Fort Morgan 
or we would go to somewhere like uh, Mississippi Sound instead is going to be a lot of it's going to be the Holy Trinity of redfish. Okay. Now, the Holy Trinity of redfish, not everywhere is like this, but in Mobile Bay, we have the Holy Trinity of redfish. Okay. That's going to be turbidity, how much stuff's in the water, how, how, right. busy, how clear is the water. How clear is the water. Yep. Yep. Salinity and then dissolved oxygen. Okay. Now, I only have to have this good dissolved oxygen, 80% and better. And my salinity needs to be 18 parts per square unit and up, or you get that good t- salty taste. Right. And don't get me wrong, redfish are very tolerant of brackish water, but you're going to see a larger concentration of them in the saltier areas because the bait fish are more prevalent, the shrimp are more right. prevalent, the food's better, right? Food's better. Yeah. Um, food's better, right? You know, you might. There's a reason there's a packed house at at, uh, at a restaurant, and there's a reason you can run right through McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason. Now, saying McDonald's isn't wonderful, I reckon. But anyway, point <laughs> is. There's a reason for it, right? <laughs> and so what I like to look at is if I can put all of those pieces together, then I can take a large section of Mobile Bay because Mobile Bay is a huge body of water. And trying to decide between one start with the Sound or Fort Morgan or the Causeway or all the little different parts, it's really hard to do because you look at it, it's just a very imposing amount of water. And what we want to look at is, and places you can go to check it out is, uh, I always recommend the Arcos at DISL. That's the uh, area's uh, buoys, right? And uh, I'll send you, I'll email you a link, David. You can put in show notes if that's helpful okay. to people. Yeah, coming absolutely. Down here. Yeah. And yeah. they can always come down here to the shop and I'll walk you through the Holy Holy Trinity of Redfish. The Basically, Mobile Bay has enough buoys and watch points, watch stations in it that we can look and figure out a general area to go to based on that. Is it always 100% accurate as far as like, are there always going to be fish there? No, it's fishing. That's life. But right. is it going to help me separate a lot of water that would have been unproductive to figure out where I should have gone in the first place? Yeah, 100%. It's really going to be really helpful because Mobile Bay... And just the Alabama Gulf Coast in general can be daunting because of the amount of water. So that's a great way. Like I said, I'll send that to you in the show notes and I'll put a link. Uh, I'll send you also a link to a video I did on YouTube to help people understand how to, you know, understand and how to use that system. So okay. hopefully that'll be helpful to people coming down here. Yeah. Uh, but when I put that down together and I say, okay, and I'm just saying hypothetically, we're on Mississippi Sound. Mississippi Sound is the place to go today. The salinity was there, the turbidity was low, it was nice and clear, and the dissolved oxygen was good, and my winds are coming from the north. So let's say we're talking about the fall. The winds are coming from the north, which we talked about earlier. If the winds mm. come from the north, we're not going to go to uh, Fort Morgan because the wave action mobile bike can yeah. be insanely bad, and it will stack up on you. So now I know that I need to go over there because now the mainland is protecting that area and I can get in there and I can fish all those tidal creeks and all those areas. Once I get to that flat, then I want to have the Holy Trinity of a flat, right? Which just coincidentally, the Holy Trinity isn't always bell pepper, onions, and celery, okay? But uh, <laughs> I see okay. you haven't made enough gumbo. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I guess that's only a funny joke if you live down here. Yeah, it's it's I totally understand it. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate that. But uh 
they, uh, the thing about it is what we want to get to when we see a flat, I, these are the things I like to look for. Okay. This, every guy that's fishing down here has been down here a long time has his own cues to go for. I like to look at, does the flat have mullet? Does it have stingrays? And does it have blue crab? If I get the added bonus of sheep's head in the area, I know I'm on a very productive flat. And if right. I continue to kayak or continue to pole or continue to do whatever, I'm eventually going to run into good redfish. Okay. If I get out there and I'm not seeing the mullet or I'm not seeing the crabs, there's a chance there could still be fish there, but not great chances. So maybe pick up and look around and try to keep an eye on your, your graph, on your mapping of where you're at, you know, on your Garmin Lawrence or whatever. And think to myself, okay, in this kind of flat today, in this, like what was, what made it? How far out of the marsh was it? Uh, was it protected from there? What was the bottom content color? Start to put those little pieces together. Then that takes time and it takes experience, right? But if you were out there and maybe the flat you were on had a dark bottom and maybe it was on the outside of the marsh and I didn't see any mullet and I spent 30 minutes polling and I didn't see a single redfish, okay? Maybe a dark bottom on the outside of the marsh isn't where I need to be at today. Right. Maybe... You know, that because it could be maybe it's too hot in the summer and that dark bottom is just too hot, you know, yeah. and it's pushed all the bait fish out. Um, so you'll start to put that together, right? And, and you just kind of look for those different things. Um, moving on up into Mobile Bay, if you're taking places, let's say you want to go up to, let's say you're around Bon Secure, which is a lot easier to kind of get to from Fort uh-huh. Morgan. Yep. That can be a really nice place too. You can actually just take the intercoastal waterway on down. And uh, kind of get down that way uh, to really at, to really do a good job targeting redfish down here because our flats are so big and they get so shallow. You really kind of either want to kayak or a if you're going to sight fish them, not just a fish one, but if you're going to sight fish them, uh, you really do kind of want to have that skiff. You really do right. uh, paddleboard, kayak, skiff, anything that's going to get you in that really shallow water. I remember the first time you know folks started seeing skiffs down here. <laughs> You know, people are like, what are you going to do with that? Mobile Bay gets way too nasty. And it does. It gets too nasty. But the point of the matter is where I'm going to fish in that boat, I'm not trying to cross a nasty chop of water. I'm just trying to fish these flats. So, again, going back to that, you can access a lot of that water down the ICW to get into down the south part of Mobile Bay, heading towards Fort Morgan and the bay side. Uh, so that's another great way to do it. Bonsoir area itself can be really good. What's the ICW? Intercoastal waterway. Intercoastal waterway. Yep. Okay. So it's just, yep. So it's a, that's a channel that's going to run all the way down. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, when we get to a stretch, let's say you're in a place that doesn't have a great flat for redfish. What can I fish for? At that point, speckled trout are wonderful. And I always like to tell folks that are coming from, you know, places, you know, that don't have speckled trout, they're a lot like crappie. Uh, they ain't hard to catch, but they can be hard to find. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're a schooling fish and they really like to stack up on structure, they like to stack up on what they're going to do. But when you catch one uh, speckled trout, there's going to be more. Right. So just just like crappie, try to find that cover, try to find that creek mouth. They like to stack up around docks and all that kind of stuff. And if you think to yourself, oh, man, well, I think speckled trout might like to eat shrimp or something. You're not wrong. Throw a shrimp fly. Oh, I think they might like to eat, you know, baby mullet. I think they would, too best thing you can do as a fly angler is be looking around, seeing yeah. what the forage is. What do you see? If I see a bunch of uh, bull minnows, you know, throw, throw a, if you, if you have a sculpin pattern in your box, throw it, 
it looks like a bull mana. <laughs> you know, it's doing the same thing. So this is the way you can cover water. You're going to be doing a little bit more blind cast in this way. And you can also get to get into a lot of fun speckled trout. One of my favorite rigs to do for people that maybe aren't able to have access into a flat skiff and can't go after redfish is to do what I call a, uh, a popper dropper. Okay. So we're going to take a big foam pop and fly, right? And just off the bend of the hook, we're going to take a small EP minnow underneath it, drop it down a foot, two feet. And just like you'd have that hopper dropper, or just like you'd have an ordinary dropper rig, you're going to cast it out, let that pop and fly make a whole lot of commotion. You'll be shocked what he's to fly underneath. And you can just work that bank line that way and cover water. And that can be a really effective way for a fly angler who doesn't have a whole lot of time, can't go out to all these different places and wants to still get to catch fish. That's a great way to fish these areas, too. That sounds so, like a lot of fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. So I, I got the idea from down here. A lot of the guides, they'll use uh, popping corks, and they'll put a DOA shrimp underneath it, or they'll put a live shrimp or a voodoo shrimp or whatever manner yeah. of, uh, whatever manner of uh, shrimp imitation they want to put underneath there is. But we can put underneath it uh, – a shrimp imitation means we just want to keep it very neutrally buoyant. So we don't want to put any weight on it. So it's got that natural darting action. Right. And so, uh, if people are wondering, you know, what flies they might want to tie on the way down here, they can go to YouTube and check out the lost angler channel. All the flies that I tie that I use, a lot of them that you see in the store, they're on the YouTube channel and it's, it's separated up between fresh water and salt water. So there's, there's it's a good, thing for people to look at try to figure out what you want to do right and again that eight weight fly rod like we talked about that's the nine foot five weight of our world down here right right because it's got enough behind it that i can throw bigger flies i can throw into the wind moving up into the uh into freshwater now yeah i want to talk about freshwater a little bit because i've got some folks that that are going down there late summer kind mm -hmm. of summer, late summer, let's say mm -hmm. July, August. Yeah. And they were asked, actually a couple of different folks had asked me, what about freshwater fishing down there? Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I want to talk about that for sure. So there is actually a ton of great freshwater fishing down here. We're very lucky. Uh, and don't get me wrong, this uh, our bass fishery down here is really good, but it does get a lot of tournament action. So it does get, it does get, you know, you know fairly pressured out. I always think it's so funny when I listen to, uh, you know, different fly fishing podcasts and they say, oh man, it's just so simple to catch a large mouth. You just got to put a popper on and wait for it to happen. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my goodness, you ain't never fished down here, have you? And what I tell people is our large mouth bass can be extremely selective because we don't have an end to the growing season down here. We may only get a week that it got below freezing. I mean, that's yeah. it. These fish are always chewing. What we're going to see instead is when our fish kind of hit that slump is when it gets too hot. Yeah. When the uh, water temperature at that surface water gets too hot, but there's a way to beat the heat. We're really lucky in that. A lot of the creeks coming into Mobile Bay, a lot of the rivers are spring fed. Cool. So we get up towards the top of some of these places like Fish River, Magnolia River, or we'll get in some of the tributaries off of, um, you know, Fowl River and up into the Delta. We can have wonderful places. Where the water temperature is is brought down, it's maintained into a livable uh, temperature for these fish. They'll have these thermal refuges. And our fish are just like any other fish, um, except, so like the, 
So like when you think of bass fishing, for me personally, I like to think of deceivers. I like to think of uh, sliders. I like to think of clouser minnows. Like if you're not throwing a clouser for a large mouth, I don't know what you're doing. And, and just, just that sort of thing. These fish are still going to be doing that. But during the summer, if you come down here, you really want to be able to watch and just these, these fish are going to suspend. So for most of the guys that bass fish, you know, down deep south, we're used to that. We're used to open water suspending fish. Um, our fish in the delta are very tide oriented. If that tide's not moving, they're not doing. So kind of like, I guess, a tailwater. Like if they shut down that dam, nothing wants to do. Same deal. We have to have that right amount of water flowing through because it oxygenates the water. It brings the bait fish to them. I kind of recommend that when people are doing this, what we want to look for is we want to look for shaded areas. We want to look for running water if we can help it, especially for our fly anglers. There's a ton of great, you know, little rivers to get into down here that you can access with your bass boat, with your uh, paddleboard, your kayak, plastic, whatever you want to bring down here. And there's even a lot of really great weighting, which is kind of oddly enough. Uh, here in Alabama, the way it works is, our water, if you can access it via the public right away and it's judged to be navigable, is public public spot. You can jump in and go. And let me explain navigable. I've had this question to me a lot. What's navigable? In Alabama, we define it as you can float a log down it because we decided that something was navigable when the timber trade was one of the biggest industries. I'm I'm quite I'm pretty sure the rest of the South is probably like this too. Yeah. So if you can access it via that area. You can have tremendous fishing because, like I said, again, a lot of these rivers, a lot of these little creeks down here, they're spring fed and nobody fishes for it. It's an insane amount of fun. <laughs> that same sort of uh, streamer you might use for trout or that same smallmouth streamer. Oh, man, it works great down here, too. And suddenly, you know, again, these are a bunch of fish that never get any pressure. And it's a blast. Do be careful, you know, uh, in these little feeder creeks and places like that. A lot of people ask me, do you see gators? No. Never seen a gator up there. Will I see one tomorrow? Maybe. I don't know. But in general, the answer is no. And these these uh, and the reason is the gators in general, there's so much more productive areas for them to live at. Okay. But just like every other southern creek and river, do watch out for snakes, y'all. Right. Uh, Mr. No Shoulders is always there. <laughs> if you didn't see him, he was still there. Yep. But during this light summer. It is a stupid amount of fun to fish a terrestrial down all these places. Oh. It is. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. you're dead drifting. We don't, don't, don't pop it. Don't slide it. Just let it dead drift. I've caught more three and four pound bass in these creeks down here, dead drifting a terrestrial. You say stick at a chubby Chernobyl will light these critters up <laughs> and it is so much fun and it's a blast. And, you know, kind of going from there, uh, kind of talking about those stripers, uh, those those same places, those same places that we're talking about have those spring, they provide the thermal refuge for Gulf Strain striped bass. So they're in there. But one thing I do want to caution people is if you get in there and you do catch that striped bass, please keep that fish in the water. Um, they can tolerate up to 80 degrees. After that, it will kill them. But these fish are going to give their all in a fight. So please be careful. Keep them in the water. If you take a picture, just keep the fish in the water and bend down real low, right? It's, it's <laughs> worth it. Yeah. And then take the time to revive these fish. These are a very special. Uh, these are very special fish because it's a it's a it's a subspecies of striped bass that because of the way we dammed the rivers in Alabama, Georgia, 
Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, Tech, all this stuff. We have done our best to eradicate these fish. They used to run all the way up and down the Coos and Tallapoose. They used to run all the way up to Birmingham, and now they can't. Yeah. But, you know, we're uh, working hard down here to try to bring these fish back. So if y'all catch them, y'all please be careful. They're, every one of them is super special. But it's not unusual for us to throw, you know, game changers that are just, you know, four, five, six inches long to fish for these fish. Right. Now, these fish are not going to be super prevalent. You're not going to catch a whole bunch of them. Catching one is a very special day. But if you're going up there, I like to say we'll go upriver and fish for it like a normal bass stream uh, or normal smallmouth stream on the way back down. Let's take those bigger flies and let's swing them, right? Let's swing them on down. Let's see what happens. And uh, that can be a really fun thing to do as you work your way down the river. And That sounds like a I lot guess, of fun. It is a lot of fun. It's really neat. I actually like to use a switch rod for them because of that swing so that can be a lot of fun some of the rivers you might want to take a look at for that you know you do have um, the ones that are most stocked in the state of alabama uh for down here are the bon secure magnolia and fish river they stock the upper delta and the lower delta these fish are again very spread apart so it's not going to be like you're fishing uh some of the big striper lakes yeah, so I take Lake Lanier. It's such a huge body of striped bass in there. We're not going to see that in the Delta, okay? Uh, when we see these fish, they will come up and bust. They will blitz, but you couldn't bank a trip on them. We're right. hoping to continue to revive this, to, to continue to work hard, uh, to keep stocking these fish, to keep working on catch and release, to get it to where it could be that way. That's our goal for the area. And further up into the Delta, into the rivers, then, yeah, you can have a phenomenal fishery going way up the delta uh underneath some of the dams like claiborne god you can have a, a time fishing for striped bass and wipers up there and that's i would still consider that part of this area it's in that one hour drive we talked about yeah right and these fish are a blast if and if you live in an area that has striped bass and hybrid bass and you're not fishing for them i don't know what's wrong with you <laughs> they are a tremendous amount of fun it, as much fun as we were talking about jacks being a striper, just as much fun, especially hybrids. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're a blast. They are fun. They are fun. We're going to see most of our bass fishing right now, though. This is probably going to be our best time because eventually it will get so hot that they are going to kind of go into a doldrum. Right. And then when that redfish starts getting really good as it cools down, then the bass fishing gets really good too. So they kind of. Uh, they kind of coincide with each other as to what they're going to do. So kind of old timers used to call redfish channel bass. And there's a reason for that. A lot of times if we're fishing in the lower delta in the fall, we might catch a bass, a redfish, a speckled trout, and a crappie in four consecutive casts. Huh. It's just a neat, wonderful fishery that is extremely diverse. And at that, at that lower delta around that causeway, kind of moving on up, is where you have that that fishery meeting together so it's it's a very special thing and yeah you can really you can have a very interesting experience and the delta can be extremely good i'm not going to say it's it's uh going to be like fishing gunnersville uh but it can be really special it can be really neat yeah but i prefer for your fly fishing guys uh let's take a walk off the beaten path let's go try some of those creeks out you won't be disappointed they are fun yeah that sounds like a blast and and it'd be a little more probably what some of the folks here are used to fishing some little creeks yeah. around here and smaller rivers. 
as I, as I said, and we, we did a, a couple, probably a couple episodes ago, we did a redfish, uh, episode with captain Tony Welch over in, uh, near Hilton head. And mm-hmm. he's going mm-hmm. up in the creeks over there. And he was saying the same thing that it's a little easier, you know, instead of looking out on this big open flat, it's a little easier to go up in some of these tri- tidal creeks and, and yeah. fish because it gives you something to aim for. You know, it's like, hey, aim at that thing right there in the bank. You know, maybe that, that, uh, that, no, no, that's, that's a great bit of advice like for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. a great bit of advice. We won't see that too much here, but I do like that advice going into that smaller area, especially if you're in somewhere like the Mississippi Sound and we're going to smaller places. Yeah. I can say put it off that point or put it in right. that bend right there. Because just like us, you know, we talked about a little while ago, those fish can be spooky hard to see. You know, suddenly, you know, if I had that redfish on that sand bottom at Fort Morgan, he's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. But when I put him in that tannin stained area, yeah. you know, in the sound, it's like, Jesus, I couldn't see him save my life. Right, right, and exactly. It take, and if you go down there, guys, and you don't see the fish, don't be upset. It takes time. It's, it, 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 it can be tough. It can be frustrating. I have a lot of folks that compare it to fishing for bonefish. That first day you can't see squat. Yeah. So just kind of, just kind of take it in, <laughs> take it in that this fish is in his environment that he, he evolved in that he is tailor made for. And it's, he is in his perfect place in the universe. So he has every advantage, but that being said, redfish, what I would say is most important about redfish is shot placement. My fly can be basically what I need it to be, but more than anything else, having a good cast that's accurate. And in our area, because our water is clear, but not super clear, I don't have the time that you would have in Florida to take a bunch of false casts and take a bunch of time to get that cast over there. There's a tremendous number of times when we're out there and I go, oh shit, he's right there. Yeah, four o'clock, four o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. How far away? A uh, 10 feet. Just yeah. take the rod down. Yeah. Just dump you it know? right there. Yeah. Just dump it right there. And so yep. that can be really frustrating for folks too. So just, just kind of come in, come down here with an open mind. Uh, it's a varied fishery. It's very special. It's seasonal. You can enjoy a ton of amazing experiences in one year. I can fish uh, during the late summer, early fall. I can fish these creeks like a slow trout stream and fish terrestrials and and dead drift drives all day long and have a wonderful time. I can go right now and I'm chucking streamers in these same creeks and rivers and we're catching wonderful fish or I can go, you know, and turn around and hit the, hit the sound in the fall. Well, heck right now, even. And we can have, schools of fish schools of redfish that are pushing bait fish so hard on the banks they're just blowing them out of the water and you know you could throw you know you throw a fly in there you know it's like throwing a wine bottle in a jail cell it's going to get hit but then at the same time by the same token it can be a very challenging fishery i don't want people to think that it's always sunshine and roses because going back to that same thing we have had so much pressure if we are around the backside of fort morgan or mobile bay Suddenly, it can be really hard. Those fish can be really tough because they have had so much pressure. When I fish the causeway in the fall, there's only about a month and a half that that water is like really special, and it really is. But I won't see too many fish. I might only see six, seven fish during that tide area, that interval that I have for the tide, but they're all going to be monsters. 
But the problem with that is to get to that flat, I had to go past six or seven bay boats that can't access the flat. So those fish have had to run a gauntlet to be there. Um, I took a buddy of mine uh, this fall and we were having a wonderful time fishing it. And he was just taking a break because when you're standing on the front of that boat for so long, your feet start to get tired, right? <laughs> and he he put his foot up to try to take just a little little weight off of it. We saw a fish and he put his foot down and the boat dropped just a little bit. Gone. Gone, yeah. So you can make a lot of right moves and 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 it can go and go to part. So it's a it's a it's and that's the best part is that yes, you can have those magical days, but you can also have those really challenging days, which makes those magical days so much more special. Absolutely. What is the one piece of advice you would give uh an angler who comes in to fish down there? Just one the the best piece of advice you could give for the area. Be patient. It's it's such a large amount of water. And when I say, okay, I'm going to the the Mississippi Sound, that's square miles of water. That's miles and miles of water. Or I say I'm going to fish, you know, the causeway. You know, that's square miles of water. And you're going to have to learn how to have patience to and be attentive to what you're doing. And be open to being part of that. We have a really good, I will say this, we have a wonderful angling community down here that is really good at sharing because we know there is a learning curve for the area and we have a wonderful community. So be attentive, be patient, be open to learn and don't think you can come in and just be a rock star because you've done something similar in a different place. It's a different fishery, but if you have an open mind, and you're willing to take what the seasons and what the water has given you, then you can have a really wonderful fishing experience all the time. You don't, I tell folks, it's always a great day to fish in Mobile area. It may not be a great day for what you want to catch. If you came down here, I only want to catch redfish. Well, it may not be the right time for that. Or I only want to catch a beneath off the beach. It may not be the right time for that. Or I only want to catch, you know, a striped bass. It may not be the right time for that. Um, so just just be willing to take what the seasons and what the situation gives you. And there's so many other wonderful things to go for. It's gonna be a good day. Good advice right there. Well, you ready to close this thing out? Well, you've been more than patient with me. I appreciate it. Oh dang, that's a lot of information. This is one of those that they're that you're gonna that somebody's gonna want us to parts of and and back it up and all that and that's the way we try to make these things is just to to feed information so that our listeners can can go to a place like Daphne and, and the Gulf Coast down there and and have some information and and know that all right I need to go to the Lost Angler because I heard him on a podcast and and he was very open with information you know I think that's very important to our folks uh, that's the feedback that I get is is that, you know, we, we talk more in depth about areas around here. So yeah, it excellent is. job. Excellent. One job. thing I've had folks say, we've got some folks that have kind of been down here. We do have some folks just like any other place that are like, man, I wish you wouldn't tell so many folks about, you know, this different area down here. And that, that's going to happen anywhere. And I say, man, I can, this is, this is the kind of place we have down here is, you know, I could tell somebody, I give, you know, 10 people the same advice. Yeah. Every time. Mm-hmm. And you could all 10 go to the same place. Let's say you and I went fishing and we went to a spot and I'm like, 
David, this is where we got to go. This is going to be the spot. And you went there every day for a month. Five days are going to be gangbusters. Five days are going to be okay. Ten days are going to make you wonder what on God's green earth you're doing here. And ten days are going to make you just wonder, you know, am, am I even really a person anymore? Like, that's just the way it is because of the way the water moves, the way the conditions change in the whole nine yards. So I tell people, even if you had all the pieces of the puzzle, right, the problem is you don't. It will take you a lot of time to get there to the point that you have the actual picture of the jigsaw puzzle that you're trying to put together. And I've been doing this. I've been down here, uh, moved down here in 07 to go to go to college and met my wife. And I've, I've been down here ever since. And I've been so fortunate to get to meet so many anglers are so much better at this than I am that were willing to take me under their wing and teach me so much. I mean, how can I not do that for other folks? Good point. Very good point. Well, feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your fishing partners. If you've made it this far, this far, go ahead and subscribe or follow so you'll be the first to know when an episode drops. And if you find value in this episode and want to support the work we do on, on all these episodes, just drop by the Southeastern Fly Store and simply make a purchase of a hat or a T-shirt, and that'll help us continue to do this work. So who was our guest today? He is the angler of the, or he's the owner. He's not, he's an angler too. <laughs> he's the owner of the Lost Angler Fly Shop in Daphne, Alabama. He's that guy. Yeah, he's that dude. Uh, as you can tell, he's a teaching guide uh, and who loves to talk about his area of the world. He's enthusiastic. Peter Jordan, thanks for stopping by, man. David, thank you so much for having me, buddy. You just listened to Peter Jordan from the Lost Angler in Daphne, Alabama on Southeastern Fly. See you next time.